Good morning, everybody. Eric, you're messing with me today. Um, it is well. It was my mom's favorite hymn. <laughs> so it's very appropriate that we sang that today. Hmm. It's weird for me to be going to the store and looking for Mother's Day's card and not having to get one for my mom anymore, which is, um, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> I was thinking about my mom a little bit over the last couple of days and just the transitions that mothers go through, that yes, Fathers go through the same things, but we, we don't experience them the same. And what I mean by transitions, I mean the, the birthing of this baby, this, this little being that was part of you comes out, and now you nursing it and caring for it and nurturing it and loving it and... Then it grows older and it says, no! <laughs> oh, how funny is that? Well, maybe not so funny. And you watch them walk, you watch them run, you watch them ride bike, you watch them take off with their friends. And each step of the way, there's a a little bit more of a, of a separation. Um, and then they grow up and they really don't, to some extent, maybe necessarily want to have much to do with you and your loving, nurturing, caring being. Um, and then they go off and get married. <laughs> go figure. And I... I remember that for my mom, as I was thinking about my mom, I remember just that transition of um, Terry and I getting married and what that meant for her. And it was a, the first couple, three years, it was a hard thing for my mom. Uh, Not because of Terry, because, uh, again, uh, I was important to my mom, but as soon as Terry came in, I I went down a notch. So uh, it wasn't Terry's fault. but, but all of a sudden, there was another woman in my life, and for your, your moms and daughters, all of a sudden, there's, a, there's a, a, another man or a man in, in the life, and it just, it, and it was hard the first couple of years, and it came even to a point where I need to sit down with my mom, and I just need to have a conversation with her and just go, um, love you, I'm um, going to do life with you. But you need to know that now I have a different family and I'm going to say no to things because of my new family. And um, she bawled and didn't talk to me for like three weeks. <laughs> uh, but then we had a wonderful relationship from that point on. Um, but I, I just want to say to you moms, you're amazing. And I know motherhood is filled with all kinds of joys and anxieties, and some of you 
whether it's infertility or other reasons, weren't able to have your own children, but you've adopted or something, God has done something, or maybe you've lost a child or you're at odds with your child. I, I, there's so many stories. I just want to say, moms, we, we love you. Whether, whether you're, you have a child right now or not, we, we, just, we just love you. Um, and it's interesting for me watching Terry go through what we went through 30 years ago, but now it's her little boys and her little girl. And, you know, one is married and the other one's going to get married and uh, just, just that transition. And my mom passed away just uh, almost a year and a half ago and she, uh, it was a crazy thing because she died of colon cancer, but um, it was this weird thing because after my dad died, she was just really exhausted, and we we didn't know for sure what it was going on. We just thought she was trying to cover, <laughs> recover from having this really intensive caring for my dad. And then over time, you know, it just her hemoglobin numbers were down, and so we'd go to the doctor, and they would say, you need more iron, and they would do an infusion of iron, and it would help. And then finally, the MRI that said colon cancer... Uh, then it was about 10 months afterward that, that she went home to be with Jesus. Um, and cancer is just bad. Um, it's, a, it's a silent killer, really, initially, because you don't know what's going on until it appears outside. And cancer is really, a, it's this process of which abnormal cells divide and um, without any kind of control, they invade the nearby tissues and they just wreak havoc. Thankfully, we, we do live in a time where there, there are ways for some cancer to either remove it or through different um, treatments, even kill the cancer. Um, and we also have amazing stories of people who have been healed miraculously by God. Um, but cancer is just, just bad. And I, and I share a little bit more about this because I feel like there's, there's a kind of cancer that impacts our lives and our families and even our churches, and it's a cancer of unforgiveness. You see, unforgiveness is really just these abnormal thoughts and feelings that invade our souls and divide without control and affect every part of our being. It's, it's the sin that multiplies. It's an offense that goes from being just this sin or this offense, so it multiplies to a point where it becomes infectious and it impacts every other part of your being. And I just remembered I didn't dismiss the kids Kids, you can go. I saw Paul and Carol walking across the back over there going, oh yeah, they're, they're teaching today. <laughs> See, I blame it on Eric because he played my mom's favorite hymn and I just lost it today. But kids, we love you. Go have fun. Learn about Jesus. Paul and Carol are amazing. <laughs> oh, God, here we go. Unforgiveness becomes a cancer because it turns into bitterness and anger and rage. 
And all of us have experienced some form of unforgiveness, whether it's our own unforgiveness, something maybe that we've held on to and how it impacted us, or somebody we loved and they've they've shown bitterness or anger towards us. Um, And it's interesting because science, even today, is now calling unforgiveness a disease. And here's why they call it a disease is because unforgiveness, and this is words from scientists, it stimulates the production of stress-related hormones. That's what unforgiveness does. Mayo Clinic um, just had a little article on unforgiveness and just, hey, here's some things to notice. If you struggle with finding forgiveness, you might, and here's some things that uh, you might notice. You might bring anger and bitterness into new relationships and experiences. So all of a sudden, this unforgiveness or this anger and bitterness you have isn't just against that one person. You you then carry it into other relationships or other experiences. You come into those relationships already anger and bitter. Uh, You might become so wrapped up in the wrong that was done that you can't enjoy the present. You might become depressed, irritable, or anxious. You might be at odds with your own spiritual beliefs. Well, yeah, I mean, think about it. (laughs) Unforgiveness is not part of who we are as followers of Jesus. You might lose valuable and enriching connection with others. It creates a wall. Now, Mayo also talks about that forgiveness can lead to this. Are you ready? Healthier relationships. Good. Improved mental health, less anxiety, stress, and hostility, fewer symptoms of depression, lower blood pressure, a stronger immune system, improved heart health, improved self-esteem. All if are possible if we live a life of forgiveness. And so for me, um, unforgiveness is like a cancer. We see unforgiveness in the Bible in the story of Absalom, who is King David's son. This is found in 2 Samuel, and it starts, the story starts in verse 13. And this story of Absalom is often referred to or talked about uh, the eldest son, or wasn't, he wasn't the eldest son at that point, but Absalom leading a rebellion against his father, King David, and often we focus on that, that Absalom rebelled against his father, and so then often the conversation is, you know, don't rebel against somebody who's anointed in authority, or don't rebel against your father, or whatever, but we miss the deeper story here when we focus on that, because really this is a story of unforgiveness. If you remember the story, Amnon, who was the oldest brother or oldest son of King David at that time, and the half-brother of Absalom, he lusted after Tamar, who was Absalom's full sister, and devised a plan to get her alone, and then he raped her, and then he threw her out, ruining her life, which was especially difficult, not that it's not difficult today to have that kind of stuff happen, but in that time... A woman who had been raped, she was an outcast. Nobody would ever want to marry her. And, of course, for a woman, it was all about marriage and bearing children. And the sad thing is that King David didn't really do anything to Amnon or to correct what was 
wrong, and so Absalom became angry and bitter. And that bitterness led to murder. He waited two years as that bitterness grew and he made this intricate plan on how he could kill his brother and he succeeded. And then Absalom fled and later um, on he longed to be back in relationship with his father but King David did not go <clears throat> to Absalom or did not call Absalom there. There was unforgiveness that put a barrier in that relationship and then Absalom eventually led a rebellion against his father, which, if you remember the story, Absalom had this beautiful, long, flowing hair. And what happened as a result of that long, flowing hair is he was riding in the battle, and his hair got caught in a branch, and then somebody killed him. Sin led to unforgiveness, which led to anger and bitterness, which led to lives being destroyed. Unforgiveness is like a cancer. The Apostle Paul talks about forgiveness, and we are to forgive one another. He says in Colossians chapter 3, and our series this uh, right now that we are in is the one another statements. And so in Colossians 3, Paul talks about we are to forgive one another. And Colossians 3 starts out, with the, what we're supposed to do, we're supposed to set our hearts and our minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God, <clears throat> excuse me, not on earthly things, okay? That we're supposed to focus on above, and then Paul lists a bunch of stuff that we're supposed to get rid of, and then we get to verse 8, and he says this, uh, but now you must also rid yourself of all such things. I think I'm going to need somebody to sit at the stand up there again, because my, once again... It's not going. Thank you. Um, Colossians 3, but now, verse 8, But now you must also get rid of yourselves uh, of all such things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. I want you to notice that all of these things are really how we respond to others. We respond to others with anger and rage. Verse 9, Do not let each other... Uh, since you have taken off your old self with, do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices, and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. Again, put on the new. Here, verse 11, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, and free, but Christ is all and is in all. Verse 12, here it comes. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves. I love that picture. Clothe yourselves. Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Verse 13, bear with each other and forgive one another. Even if, of, um, if any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You see, anger, rage, and malice and slander really come from unforgiveness. We're to get rid of all those things. We're supposed to remove them from our life. And the way we remove them from our life is by forgiving others. So we are to forgive one another. Jesus also talks about forgiveness in Matthew chapter 18. The disciples have asked Jesus about who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Doesn't that sound like them? Doesn't it sound like us? 
You know, you're hanging out with the Messiah. So who's going to be the greatest? And Jesus tells a bunch of stories about the kingdom of heaven. And after talking about how we, we should handle sin in the church or in the assembly, Peter asks, how many times shall I forgive someone who sins against me? Up to seven times? Good question. Jesus says not seven, but 77. And then Jesus goes and tells the story of the unmerciful servant found in Matthew 18, verse 23. And the story goes like this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, there's a picture. This is what it's like in the kingdom of heaven. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. 10,000 talents or 10,000 bags of gold. Now, here's something we need to understand. One talent equals 20 years of labor. One talent, 20 years of labor. What does that mean? This man owed 20,000 years of labor of debt. Now, Jesus is telling a story and Jesus is making a point, a point for us to understand. And the point is this, simply, this man owed way too much that he would never be able to pay it off. Okay, It's that simple. It's not even close. So verse 25. Hey Trevor, we're on verse 25 up there, just so you know. I think you're a little behind me up there. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Again, it's impossible for them to pay it off. Verse 26, at this the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. Notice the master canceled the debt. Didn't send up a, uh, a uh, pay plan. Okay, here's a way to, you're going to pay off 20,000 years of labor over the next six months. No, he didn't say that. Canceled the debt. Verse 28. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Seriously? Pay back what you owe me, he de demanded. Now, here's, here's a contrast. Ready? He owed him 100 silver coins or 100 denarii. One denarii was equal to one day's labor. So that means this servant owed him 100 days of labor. 100 days of labor, 20,000 years of labor. See the contrast? Jesus is telling a story. He wants you and I to see the contrast in the difference between the sins that are going on here. Verse 29, His fellow servants fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with him and I, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that happened. Then the master called the servant in. 
You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have the mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? Forgiveness is all about mercy. It's not whether a person deserves forgiveness or not. It's whether I'm going to show that person mercy. In anger, verse 34, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister in your heart. Notice there, it's not just forgiving with the mind, it's forgiving with the heart. And the heart is the place where for the Jewish people, that's where all our emotions, our feelings, our reasoning, everything. They, they thought the heart was more important than the mind. And so it's forgiving, in other words, with every part of your, your being, that's how we are to forgive. John Lynch, in his book, True Face, write this. When forgiveness stays only in our minds and doesn't sink deep into our hearts, it cannot be effective. Like repentance, forgiveness is a matter of the heart. This should make us want to or think of another question. How do we know if we've forgiven someone from the heart? When can we know that we've done that? The way you know is can you truly love that person? Remember, last week we're called to love one another. That's what we're supposed to do. If you can't love someone because of your unforgiveness, then there's a problem. So we, we know we can forgive somebody or that we have forgiven them if we truly love them. The goal of forgiveness... We have to understand what forgiveness is all about, okay? The goal of forgiveness is restoration. That's what it's all about. It's not conflict management. That's not what forgiveness is about. It's about restoration. It's about, I mean, that's why Jesus died on the cross. Jesus died on the cross to restore our relationship with God and with each other. Not just so that we would kind of get along or we wouldn't have conflict. It's restoration. Remember what Jesus said in verse 35 of chapter 18? This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. How did the master treat? Handed the servant over to the jailers to be tortured. And for me, as I think about this, I think basically what, what Jesus is trying to tell us is this. If you choose to hold unforgiveness in your heart, Jesus is just going to hand you over to the consequences of unforgiveness. He's going to just let you be tortured with it. You remember what I, I read about uh, from Mayo Clinic? What Unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. You carry that into other relationships. You become so wrapped up in the wrong that, that you can't enjoy the present. You become depressed and irritable and anxious. Jesus is like, go ahead. Don't forgive. But the consequences of unforgiveness, 
is bitterness, depression, anxiety. You go ahead and live that life. That's okay. You go ahead and be tor- torture yourself with unforgiveness. Corey Ten Boom has this great quote, and Corey Ten Boom, it was in the um, Holocaust a prisoner, she says this, to forgive is to set the prisoner free and to find out the prisoner was you. So again, our goal is restoration in forgiveness. We are to forgive one another. So how do we do that? What are some keys to forgiveness? First, admit something happened. What? What's that all about? Well, often somebody hurts us or offends us or does something against us, and we just go, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal, but we hold on to it. We say with our mouths and even sometimes with our actions, ah, oh, it wasn't that big of a deal. But it gets inside. And, and you see, it, it, this isn't about just some big offense. Okay, Because a lot of times with the big offense, we see it, we deal with it, we can move on, we can forgive. This, this is all, uh, also talking about the little things that happen. You know, those little things your husbands do, wives, that just kind of get under your skin. Husband, you know those little things that your wife does, it just kind of gets under your skin. That's part of this conversation, too. So the first thing we have to do is admit something happened. Admit that I was sinned against or somebody offended me. First thing. Second thing we need to do is this. Tell God what happened to you. In your quiet time, in your closet, have a conversation with God and just go, oh, you know, Terry did that one thing again. (laughs) <laughs> it's, most of the time it's the other way around, okay? So just so we're, just so we're clear on that. But, it, but it's confessing before the Lord. God, I was hurt by this. I, I need your help in forgiving this person. I mean... The psalms are filled with the psalmist saying, God, I'm really mad at my enemy. Would you take my enemy out? Now, we shouldn't pray that way, probably. (laughs) Just to clarify, especially about your husband or your wife, right? (laughs) But talk to God about your hurt. Tell him what happened. Third, forgive the offender for your benefit. Get this, the first step is to forgive the offender for you, for your benefit. And it begins vertically that you forgive the offender before God. It is saying to, in God, one, you, you said, God, this person hurt me. And then it's saying, in your quiet time, God, I forgive so-and-so for what they've done. Would you bless them? Start there in your quiet time. Then it moves to the horizontal. And the horizontal is then you go to the offender. And remember, when you go to the offender, it's about restoration. Okay? It's not to, to get 
your, you know, <laughs> it starts out going to the offender with the goal of restoration. So it's, you know what, um, when, when you did this, it, it just made me feel this way. And I forgive you. I just want us to remember, too, as we talk about this forgiveness, that forgiveness is not about trusting a person. And what I mean by that is, if you're in an unsafe situation, respond accordingly. Meaning, if you're, if you're being abused or that kind of thing, get out. <laughs> don't, don't blindly trust somebody. This is not blind trust. This is about forgiveness. Forgiveness and trust are two different things, and we need to understand that. So we're, just, we're talking about forgiving a person, and then if you're in an abusive situation, get yourself in a place where you are safe. Get, get out. And, and don't, again, don't blindly trust that person. The fourth thing that we do, fourth key, is forgive the offender when they repent for their, for their sake. You see the difference? First one, you're forgiving, is for your sake. Now, if the person comes to you and says, I was wrong, or when you come to them, they say, you know what, I really screwed up here. Now, forgive them for their, their sake. You, you set them free. The first one is to set me free. The second one is so that you can set them free. And then the fifth thing, seek restoration. Again, as I mentioned before, it's not just conflict resolution. So, in conclusion today, we are to forgive one another just as the Lord has forgiven you. So I want you to do me a favor and just sit for a moment and close your eyes. And I want you to ask your loving Father if there's any place in your life where somebody has offended you, or somebody has sinned against you, whether big or small, that you just need to forgive. And if a name comes to your mind, just in the quietness of your own heart, just admit that you were hurt. Just in the quietness of your heart, Father, that hurt me. And then forgive the person. Say, Father, um, I forgive that person for what they did and the hurt that it caused me. And then ask God, what are, what are the next steps in order to bring restoration to this relationship? Maybe it's you need to have a conversation with that person today. Maybe it's um, you just need to pray for that person. Ask the Father what He would have you do. And if it's to have a conversation with the person Make a plan to seek that person out, whether today or tomorrow. And again, just, just in love, say, you know what? 
uh, this, this hurt me, and I just want you to know uh, that, that that happened, and I, I forgive you. Maybe in this process this morning, there's somebody that you need to go to and repent. Maybe that would be the other question. God, who, who have I offended that I need to go repent to? And then again, ask him what the next plan is. And if you need help with any of this, please talk to somebody. Pray with somebody. After the service, we're going to have a couple of people up here off on the right side. My right, your left. They're more than willing to pray for you. But let us remember as we walk out of here today, one, unforgiveness is like cancer. And two, we are to forgive one another just like Jesus has forgiven us. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for... um, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to die on the cross and forgiving us. Thank you for canceling our huge, ginormous debt. And today, as we choose to walk in forgiveness, we step out in faith, trusting you, as we forgive each other. And I pray specifically for the families, because uh, I know sometimes um, these little unforgiveness things can pile up in marriages. I pray for our marriages that unforgiveness would happen. And I pray for relationships between parents and kids, that you would bring forgiveness and healing to those relationships that parents Parents, that you would lead in the journey of unforgiveness with your kids. That you would model forgiveness. And then I pray, Father, for this community here, Crossroads. That if there's anyone that has any offense, that it would be taken care of today that we would repent, that we would forgive, we would come around each other and forgive each other the way you have forgiven us. We pray all these things with thanksgiving, because of the mighty way that you have forgiven us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.